Hello and welcome back. Season three this year's Adam and Kirk back at it again. And uh, we were in the southeast. Now we continue in our imaginary van across the country. It's the southwest. And uh, before we started recording, I'm going to put you on the spot here. You called this the most boring division. Hey, outing me like this. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, not I, a, it's not a bad thing, but I want to hear why. I, I just think in, in terms of the storylines. So not okay, bad yeah. basketball, not boring basketball. It, just in terms of a lot of what I'm seeing from the teams in this division are kind of what we saw last year. I don't really yeah. see, uh, you know, a lot of moves that were made, a lot of... Uh, things that were being addressed. Some teams um, I, got more boring. I was going to say, it, it looks like it's more of the same. Yeah, so yeah. I, don't tune away. We'll have some great talking points. Don't get me wrong. But I think less drama than perhaps other divisions that we've already talked about and right. we'll talk about. Yeah, we're not talking about Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving, you know, today. Uh, but we are talking about some, I mean, you could make a very legitimate argument that we're going to talk about the best most exciting player in the nba and uh there are some every single one of these teams except for one maybe has some really exciting players uh so we'll see but anyway we're gonna do it how we've been doing it uh once again we seem to have the exact same hierarchy so we'll start in houston that's at the bottom and work our way up to the top uh i don't have much to say my friend Houston had the worst team in the league last year, and I don't think their record is going to exactly skyrocket. See what I did there? But they do have some guys to keep their eye on. I like Kevin Porter Jr. He looks like he could be the real deal. Uh, Jalen Green, it's interesting because I haven't seen very much of him at all. So I don't have a real opinion. Uh, You mentioned before you hit the record button, you know, the John Wall situation. They're looking to shop him, and he's got a horrible contract. Houston is in... Uh, the basement of the NBA, and there's just not much they can do to climb out of it. But I think they're still going to be fun. You know, like I, I think Kevin Porter Jr. And uh, honestly, I really like Daniel House. Um, he, he's out right now, but I, I think they have enough exciting pieces to be watchable. But I think they're going to be very, very bad. Uh, they're at 27 and a half. I got him at 24 wins. I have him at 26. Uh, and, and yeah, there's not a lot to be excited about. Uh, the uncertainty surrounding John Wall doesn't sound like he's part of their plans. But at the same time, no one wants to take on $44 million. So what are they going to do with him? Uh, I do like the young core. And they kind of started this last season with Kevin Porter Jr., uh, a great piece a guy that didn't really fit in Cleveland. Jalen Green, uh, 20 points a game in the summer league, played uh, three games, I believe. So not a large sample size for him. Uh, And then Christian Wood was really, really good early on last year before he got hurt. So I do like their, dare I say, young core. I know Christian Wood's like 26. So in NBA age, that's uh, kind of on the older side. Yeah, but But he's he's just getting his shot. Right. And I like Kenyon Martin Jr. I think that uh, he's a, a good piece. Josh Christopher was a really highly recruited guy coming out of, of a high school um, then making the jump to the league. So what is he going to be? Is he going to be like he was in high school or is he kind of going to fizzle out like he did uh, in, in college in that one year? Uh, Tyler Bay, I know you watched a lot of him. Yeah, uh, he's I, I a perfect like, fit there. 
I do like his upside. Um, but the thing that stands out to me, Adam, is just 27th in offensive efficiency and 27th in defensive efficiency. So if you're bad at both, uh, that typically means that you're not going to make a lot of noise and you're going to be kind of a bottom feeder in the league. And yeah. I just don't see how they addressed those issues. I don't see them getting better. But usually you have teams that are good in one and bad in the other or at least making strides in either direction. Um, I, I don't see how they got better offensively. I certainly don't see how they got better defensively. So this is going to be one of the worst teams in basketball. For Maybe sure. the worst. Again, exactly. I, I think that their ceiling is extremely low and their floor extremely low. I think that uh, they have enough pieces to have a fun mixtape, and that's about it. Not a good basketball team, but you're going to see some really fun dunks. Like you're going to Kevin Porter's wildly entertaining. I really like Kevin Martin or uh, Kenyon Martin Jr. Rather. And, um, you know, we'll see what we get, but awful, awful. I have, I don't have anything else to say. Let's move on. I agree. Yeah. That was all my talking points. And uh, I don't think that this team warrants a large discussion. All right. So the year was 1997. Duncan. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, David Robinson breaks his foot and he says that the Spurs are just unlucky. Well, it turned out to be real lucky because they got Tim Duncan. And then up until pretty recently, they were a lock for the playoffs every year, even after, after Duncan left. And if not for the weird Kawhi Leonard situation, maybe they're still a contender. That's not how uh, that shaped out. This is one of the best franchises in the NBA, but this is not a very good team. And uh, we have to draw the line there. So I think it's finally going to happen. The Spurs are just going to be playing bad or maybe a little below average. Uh, they don't have a true star at all for the first time in our lifetime, I, I think, because uh, even DeMar DeRozan was at least a true star last year. But you have to go back pre-David uh, Robinson to a time that this team didn't have a true star and most of the time they had a superstar in our life is uh basketball fans and so i think that they're still gonna be able to play spurs basketball thaddeus young is the most spurs player ever i think that he's going to be a really nice fit there and i really like deontay murray i think Derek white as long as he can stay healthy can be good olympian keldon johnson you know like it, it's not going to be bad and they're going to be playing smart. They're going to play disciplined, but like it's it's not going to be good either. They lost a lot of their bulk, losing DeMar DeRozan, Patty Mills, obviously with the Nets. Rudy Gay has been a good, you know, I think he's been in and out of starting lineups for the better part of the last handful of years. Obviously, he was a star in Memphis, but, you know, he's been in and out of the starting lineup and coming off the bench for the Kings, the Spurs. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge uh, has also moved on from them. So just losing a bulk of their core, I think that that is going to hurt them for sure. Uh, you mentioned Thad Young, good piece for sure. Zach Collins, I loved his game at Gonzaga, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy at all. So they got him on a relatively cheap deal from Portland. Bryn Forbes is back. Uh, he was a good scorer. I think that pop gets more out of Bryn Forbes than Milwaukee did. And then one of the, I don't necessarily want to call it an underrated signing, but I think one of the signings that's going to really help them is Doug McDermott just because oh, he's, yeah. a, he's a good shooter. And one of the things that the Spurs have not necessarily been great at, especially looking at the roster construction moving forward, is three-point shooting. Right. They're a really good, efficient, uh, you know, mid-range team. 
They, they can score in the paint. They can score from the mid range. They have a, a decent team field goal percentage. Um, but in terms of shooting the long ball, I don't see a ton of three point shooters on this team. And McDermott is someone who can address that to an extent for sure. But there's only one McDermott on right. the team. You don't have a handful of them. So I, yeah, it's, it's a team that is definitely regressing and, I guess I can't really fault them because they ran Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, and Tim Duncan until the wheels fell off. Yeah. And, you know, you, they didn't blow it up too early, but unfortunately when you blow it up too late. Well, you, it's the Kawhi Leonard situation, honestly. Otherwise, they'd be able to do the same thing that they've been doing where they would just be able to build around him. You'd be uh, – because, like, they do a really good job scouting. They still – like, Deontay Murray was a hit. You know, like uh, Derek White was a hit. If these guys were around Kawhi Leonard, we're talking about a contender. So I think that they where they the bad luck came in wasn't 1997. It was whatever year that was, 2015, 2014, or uh, however long it was that the Kawhi Leonard's situation got a little bit ugly. But I am going to hammer home what you just said about Doug McDermott, because that's actually in my notes, too. And so Doug McDermott, he's a career 40 percent three point shooter. And I think Pop's system in how well the basketball moves in that. He's about to have a career year. He's actually coming off a career high 13 a game. Not that that's some huge milestone. 13 is not anything to write home about, but I think you're looking at. Uh, 15 to 20. I'm thinking about like 18 points per game for him. And this is maybe higher in, in the scoring NBA. Like I think Doug McDermott, weirdly enough, is going to be their best. He's definitely their best shooter, but he might be their best scorer. And so this is where Doug McDermott finally is going to get his shine as an NBA player. I'm super high on him individually this year. I think he'll be in the three-point shootout. I think he's going to get uh, a lot of respect, and he's turned into a really solid player. He's a disciplined, high IQ player. He's an underrated athlete. He's a really nice fit with the Spurs. But, um, yeah, man, you don't want him to be your best scorer. You want him to be your best shooter. Fantasy basketball, sleeper. But the Spurs, man, uh, what do you think the line is? I have him at 30, 32 wins, and that's as bad as – I mean, I can't even remember the last time that they were that bad. Yeah, I uh, I got him at 34. The line's 28 and a half. Okay, so we are, I guess, well over. I'm, I'm shocked it's that low. And I think one of the reasons why I'm giving him a few more wins than that is just simply because Greg Popovich is going to find the best mix and he's an outstanding exactly. coach. And he'll exactly. win you a few games just based on his coaching prowess. But again, like he, he's going to maximize the potential, but there's not a lot of potential on that roster. Right. They're going to beat the crap out of bad teams. You know, earlier today, we talked about some of these teams without an identity. Like, I think he would beat the crap out of the Magic. They would beat the crap out of the Wizards. They'll beat the crap out of the Rockets. But then when they go against, you know, a Dallas Mavericks or, you know, a Denver Nuggets or a Los Angeles Lakers, like, you might be looking at some 30-point losses. I'm really excited to see what Lonnie Walker does. I think that he's obviously going to have an expanded role. I think he's a really good player. He got more burn last year. So I'm hoping to see him take the next step because I think that he could be a really critical piece for them, especially in the scoring department. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, everyone's going to have to step up. And so it's going to be interesting to see 
who does. Do you have anything else on the Spurs? I don't. Neither do I. Uh, you know, I think it's it's a very cut and dry division. It's probably going to wind up being a shorter episode. Now, the Pelicans uh, I have next. And uh, let me just get this out of the way. Zion Williamson will be a bull. Not this year, but I just got a feeling Zion Williamson eventually is going to reunite with Lonzo Ball. It's going to be awesome. The Bulls are going to win multiple championships. Uh, but for now, he's still in New Orleans. But the weird thing is it gives me the exact same vibe that the AD uh, uh, Pelicans gave me. Like just not having enough around your superstar that is eventually going to be like, okay, get me out of here. Enough is enough. I want to contend for a championship. Uh, They're not bad. I don't think they're that good either. It's weird too, because I think Zion had a quicker trigger than AD did. AD was fed up toward the end for sure, but he's going to last a lot longer or lasted a lot longer than I think Zion will. I mean, Zion was in his second season and he didn't even complete the second season before there were rumors that he doesn't have a good relationship with Griffin and that he wants out in new Orleans. And it's like, Whoa, you know, here's a guy who was recovering from injury. His rookie season played some last year and he's already fed up. And yeah, I I guess I don't blame him, but it is kind of like, come on, man. Yeah. I feel like you got to see it out. Yeah. Yeah. The entirety of your rookie deal. Well, I feel like it's got to be so frustrating from his standpoint. If you like taking the context of last season when they actually should have been better than they were and it seemed promising, but like it didn't work with SVG. Uh, I thought Lonzo Ball and Zion were good together. Uh, I don't like how they were running so much point Zion when you have a true point guard on the team. We talked about that a little bit in the central uh, preview. We're going to see more point Zion and that's totally fine. But like, Last year's roster was actually competent. And this year, I guess it got a little worse. Sadoransky's a really good fit there. Devontae Graham's a nice fit there. Uh, But I would take Lonzo Ball over either one of those guys personally. Um, I guess Graham might be a better go-get-me-a-bucket guy uh, than Lonzo. I like Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Obviously love Brandon Ingram, like Zion Williamson and Jonas Valanciunas pretty much had the year of his career last year. So it's not like they're bad. I think that they might, might flirt with a playoff spot. But I just, the, the West is too good. The West is too deep. It's, it's certainly not a lock. And I think that the point Zion thing might actually cause some identity issues. They're so gung ho about using him uh, in all these creative ways. And that absolutely should be done. But like, I don't think your team identity, if you're on a winning team can be Zion Williamson and based around Zion Williamson, because he's not that kind of playmaker right now. Like you, you want him to be the focal point of your uh, team. Don't get me wrong. You want him to be a focal point of your identity, but you can't use him like a Luka Doncic. He doesn't have the skill set. I think they got a little bit better, but it's it's marginal. It's not one of those things that's going to put him over the top. And I look at the addition of Willie Green as the head coach from everything that I've heard over the years. He's a good assistant coach. So I'm excited to see what he does and finally his head coaching role. 
Um, I do like the additions of Alan Shunis and Devontae Graham. I think that that just gives them more of a veteran presence and more reliable guys for sure. Valanchunas is a, a really good offensive player. He's much of an upgrade over Steven Adams. So I like the fit there. I do like the starting lineup of Graham, Nikhil, Alexander Walker. I loved his game in college. I just want to see him be more efficient because he hasn't been efficient at all. Um, yeah. So I, I want to see him just be a, a more efficient scorer. Um, they're definitely going to be like a young run and gun team. I yeah. think, you know, someone who's going to get up and down but they're going to be bad defensively. And one of the things that stands out to me, and it's kind of an obvious take here, just how much Zion are they going to get? Because he missed a handful of games his first year, missed a handful of games last year. And I know a lot of people commented about his weight and his durability and, okay, can he play at 285? Does he need to get smaller? But if he gets smaller, can he be the bruiser inside? Can he have the physicality? Or is he going to have to become a finesse player? And I just don't think that he has the build to ever be a finesse player. So, I, you know, health is kind of a main talking point with a lot of these teams, but I do think that the Pelicans will go as Zion goes. Yeah, they have to, to the, at this point. To this point, he hasn't been healthy, and I don't ever think that he's going to be a guy who's going to play 75 plus games for any franchise who's the better player right now brandon ingram or zion williamson that's a tough one it's so tough because the obvious pick is zion if they're playing the same number of games but availability is huge for me so So ingram last year 24 points a game five rebounds five assists zion 27 7 and 4 and Zion was really efficient too. He was uh, fourth in player efficiency rating. Exactly. Uh, I have to give the edge to BI just because of availability. Um, if the injury concerns weren't there for Zion, I think that's an easy take. But right now, I think that Brandon Ingram is just going to be there. So they both played 61 games last year. But I do think that. Yeah, when you when you talk about injury questions, Zion Williamson, he's actually towards the top of the list. And how how careful they've been with him. Uh so yeah, it, it's it's kind of weird. I do want to go off something you said about this being an up-tempo team. One guy I forgot to mention who I absolutely want to mention is Kira Lewis Jr. We're gonna see if he winds up being a special player in the NBA. But you want to talk about someone you want to have uh, push in transition. He is, you know, faster than blazes. He needs to uh, prove himself as an NBA scorer, though. Get that three-point percentage up. Get that field goal percentage up. 38 from the field, 33 from deep last year. But I believe in him. Uh, He's only 20 years old. He just turned 20 in April. and so if this guy can take a step forward and you can establish that run and gun identity around uh, Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram, I think you could have a really fun team. And I think that there are like, they're going to be a really fun small ball team um, in, in certain lineups. I think you could have a lot of fun. You want Valance Eunice out there a lot. He's a huge upgrade. If you consider what he did last year over Steven Adams, but I want to see Zion at the center. I want to see Ingram at the power forward. I want to see Hart and Alexander Walker on the floor together. And I want to get out and run. 
Because I think that that's where they can create mismatches for their opponent. And even though Zion's only six foot six, like, you know, he's going to bully guys like PJ Tucker who are around his height. He's going to absolutely dominate them, but he's also strong enough to, you know, like he's not going to, no one's going to take him out of a play. He's got a lower center center of gravity. Uh, I want to see him take another step in that, you know, Carl Malone, Charles Barkley uh, type cut, if you will, which I think he is. He's just this bruiser. He's kind of undersized. That's where the Barkley comes in. But like he's someone who can get 15 rebounds. Uh, We're going to see. We're going to see. How many wins you got for them? 39. You got 39. Okay. I'm right around there. I got 36. And uh, you're just on fire today, man. 39 and a half is the mark. Okay. I, man, I, I like your number a little bit better just because obviously the 500 mark is 41-41. And I do think that there could be just maybe too many question marks for them to flirt around that 500 mark. Um, but I, I guess I'm just assuming that they're going to stay healthy. Uh, with uh, you know, BI and Zion around that, that 39 43 mark, I, I think is fair at the, the optimistic viewpoint. I do think yours is a little bit more realistic, though. I think that if you look at the West from top to bottom, obviously, there's some teams that are already going to be really damn good. The top five, top six, really, well, yeah, the top fives, I'm gonna say top six, the top six is pretty much really locked in. This is a preview of a preview now, you know, when we get into the actual like whole season preview, but like the jazz are going to be really damn good. Suns are going to be really damn good. The Nuns are going to be really, really damn good. The Mavericks are going to be really damn good. We'll see you with the Clippers. The Lakers are going to be no slouch. The Golden State Warriors are going to be really damn good. Like you have six really good teams. And then it is who's going to be in the play in. And then you have teams like the Blazers in the Grizzlies. The Kings should be better. The Timberwolves should be better. Oklahoma City is going to play Shade Gilgis Alexander more. Like you're seeing these teams that are either already good, like the Grizzlies or the Blazers. And then you have these teams that like are poised to take a step forward. Like how good is De'Aaron Fox going to be? And so when you consider the context of a team like New Orleans, like they're 31 and 41 last year, just like the Kings. Like the, the Timberwolves were much better when they changed coaches. The Thunder weren't exactly trying to win games last year. Like I think that they're in that same mix with teams like the Spurs, the uh, Kings, the Timberwolves probably give them a leg up over the thunder, but that's where it gets really like you're in the weeds. All these teams could finish around mid 30 wins, which hurts any projection that the Pelicans are going to be around 40. I'd be shocked if they were in the top six. Now, if they are in the play in, I could see it. I think they'd have to scratch and claw to get there, but they have no business being in the conversation of the upper echelon in the Western conference. 
We've talked in the past that the East is so top heavy now with Milwaukee being really, really good. The Nets being really, really good Miami. But I do think top to bottom, the West is the deeper conference. And I think that my hesitation with new Orleans in, in terms of putting them higher, I absolutely agree with you. Not a top six seed in the West, definitely vying for, you know, that 10th ninth uh, spot for the play in. Um, but wins are going to be really hard to come by in this conference, period. Yes. And I, th- I think that, you know, they fare a lot better if they just play an Eastern Conference schedule. But right now, it's if you're not a really good team, it's going to be very difficult to get wins out West. Yeah. Now, they are lucky to be in uh, a division that they could wind up being the second best team. I think it would be a, quite a stretch. I don't think they're going to be, be better than the Grizzlies. And we'll talk about them next, but like they could absolutely, they will be better than the Rockets. They could be better than the Spurs, but like, it's perfect. We talked about the Spurs, right? And like the Spurs are a team that could absolutely have the Pelicans number just because they're a better basketball team. Like the Spurs, like they actually have an identity. You know what I mean? Like they have a better coach. They have a system that's worked for years and years where the Pelicans are kind of looking for their identity and on paper, they're better, but the, the Spurs are more trustworthy. You, you kind of know what you're getting just from a discipline standpoint. There's like, not as you're not going to have too many question marks on a Popovich team. He's, he's just built that kind of trust with us as uh, analysts and fans. All right. I have nothing else to say about the Pelicans. Do you? Don't either. All right. Well, let's go to uh, Missoula, Grizz country. And no, we're going to Memphis. Uh, By the way, I I got a Noah M. Buell shirt on the way. Shout out to Noah M. Buell. Yeah. O-line 69. Great number. It's a great number. And um, yeah, I'm excited. Shout out to Noah. yeah, it's cool that like he can actually make some money and that these college athletes for I guess no one knows this, but Noah Ambuel is an offensive lineman for the Montana Grizzlies. So uh Kurt and I uh, covered him in high school. Great guy. Great guy. Um, yeah, absolutely. O line sixty-nine. Anyway. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, man. Um guess the guess the number. Boy, they were better last year than I think people gave them credit for. Yeah, last year they were I, 38 and 34. I have them hovering around 500 at 42, but wow. I could see I could see that like depending on like if everything goes well, I could see them being a few games higher than that. Or if it's a disaster, I could see them being a lot lower than that. Interesting. Too. What is the number? Dude, you're just on one today, man. It's 41 and a half. Um, okay, so 500. I, I, it's just one of those things where it's like they look like a 500 club on paper. They've been hovering around, hovering around that mark for, you know, last year, obviously being four games over 500. And again, like I like some of the pieces they have. I think they made some some good additions, but nothing that's going to put them over the top. I kind of see like more of the same from them. You know, it's a shame they lost Valanciunas. I think the big addition here is someone who was already on the team last season, but only got to play a handful of games. And when healthy, 
in theory, double caveats are not a good sign, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Jaron Jackson should be the second best player on the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, I have major concerns with Jaron Jackson. I believe in his talent. Don't get me wrong. But what is this guy? Six foot 11? Uh, Yeah, he's he's six eleven. Uh, 242 pounds. Why are you getting five and a half rebounds a game, bro? Step it up. Uh, now, Jaron Jackson Jr., the son of Jaron Jackson Sr., who won a championship with the San Antonio Spurs. And you can see a lot of that similar play style, even though this guy's, well, this guy's a modern big. That means he has guard skills. And so last year, he only played in 11 games. And I don't think we ever got to see Jaron Jackson be Jaron Jackson. He shot 28% from three uh, per 36 minutes, only still only around like eight rebounds per game. And he really didn't do that much in the playoff series against Utah. Uh, But I think that even though he was on the roster last year, we didn't actually get Jaron Jackson. So I'm counting that as a piece that's going to come in and make them better. Now they lose Valanciunas and they replace him with Steven Adams. And I think that's fine. I'm not going to call that a wash. I'm going to call it a little bit of a drop off there because he was just playing out of his mind. But I look at this team and there's just a lot of potential. Things could go really, really well. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out what I think of Brandon Clark, because at times it seems like he is going to be Awesome. You know, I I loved him coming out of college. I think he's someone who can realistically play three through five. And I think he can have a lot of fun when you're having lineups of uh, Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson on the floor together. And I think you can cause a lot of problems uh, for defenses in that way. But he hasn't proved it to me either just like Jaron Jackson. Now the guy who has proved it is obviously John ja Morant. And there's another guy who's proved it to me. Who do you think that is? Cause I don't think he's talked about nearly enough in the NBA. I don't know who it is. I'm going to take a guess and I'm going to agree with you. Dylan Brooks. It is Dylan Brooks. It is. And he's Dylan phenomenal. Brooks. Yeah. Phenomenal. Dylan Brooks, one of the most underrated guys in the league. He is going to miss the first few weeks with a fractured hand, but then look to him to just go back to, what he's been doing. He's a team's second best scorer, a reliable defender, a big game player. Now Brooks averaged 25 per game in the playoffs. who was 18 in the regular season. He proved a lot to me in that series against Utah against a notoriously tough defense. Uh, another guy, friend of the program, Reed Lubin, super high on is he loves him. Some uh, Desmond Bain. Now Desmond Bain, 43% uh, from the field. He's uh, kind of an under-the-radar guy. I don't know. He was drafted by the Celtics. I don't know much about Desmond Bain. Uh, He didn't get a ton of tick in the playoffs, but that's just one more guy who could potentially uh, step up and be really good. I think that they're going to really miss Grayson Allen. I think the line is very appropriate. Um, 43 might be a little too high. Maybe I should just go with flat 42. Uh, But I think based on what Kurt and I have been saying, you probably get an idea that we, we think they're going to be slightly above 500, but like not by much. There are a lot of things that I want to piggyback off on. Um, I think the big one with Jaron Jackson jr. Is just, he, his shooting is there. I mean, I think last year just wasn't a big enough sample size. So shooting 39 and a half percent from three in his kind of full season, his sophomore season 
the 2019-2020 season, uh, you have to love that. Yeah. A guy who's out there at 6'11", willing to shoot the three-pointer and making it at an efficient rate. Um, and also just looking at the numbers too, I mean, he was attempting six and a half threes a game, which is a, a lot for a guy his size. So yeah. perhaps that's why the rebounding numbers were down. He's obviously not a great offensive rebounder. So I, I, it's it's one of those things, are you sacrificing shooting ability for controlling the boards? Uh, you know, Maybe that's something that changes or maybe that's just who the player he is. Um, the big three for me, and I know this is kind of like a watered down big three, but yeah, John Morant, you got to love his game. Athletic, going to push the pace. Really fun to watch. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. going to play more, hopefully, this year than he did last year. Dylan Brooks, a phenomenal player. Um, I do like the addition of uh, Steven Adams just defensively. Um, it's always good to have defense. Always ha- good to have a rebounder, a rim protector. Someone who's going to be a better defensive player than Valanchunas was, but obviously not even close to being the same offensive player. Um, I do like Eric Bledsoe, just as like a change of pace guard for them. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that's what he should be at this point in his career, a change of pace guard. Jarrett Culver, I think, was a good addition, too. I know that he really underwhelmed during his time in Minnesota, but that is a guy who is an elite defender again. Um, the concern for me is just what happens offensively because they have guys who can score. It's just not terribly efficient. Um, Zaire Williams, uh, I, I don't know if they reached on him in the draft because he was a phenomenal high school player and then really didn't have a lot of playing time at Stanford, didn't really crack the lineup Wait. and do a whole lot there. Pause. Uh, Eric Bledsoe, Clippers. Did he really? Yeah. Was he moved? I yeah. apologize. I it happens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, he, but that kind of goes to say where Eric Bledsoe has been as a NBA player. Eric Bledsoe, useless to the Memphis Grizzlies now. Yes. Gone. I, I apologize. No uh, worries. They thank make thank a, you they, for fact-checking me. I, I always have to. That's that's how we do it. Uh, and, you know, Pat Beverly got moved, too. It's, it's kind of been a revolving door. So an easy mistake to make for a fairly forgettable player. Sorry, Eric Bledsoe. Beverly to Minnesota, correct? Yes. Okay. Redeem myself there. There you um, go. <laughs> so uh, a lot of upside with Zaire Williams. Uh, like I said, is he going to be the high school guy who was scoring the ball, who was really athletic, who could get up and down the floor? Or is he going to be the guy who kind of lost his role in, at Stanford during his only season there? Um, it'll be interesting to see because he has the talent. It's just a matter of can he tap into it? Is he going to have a role there? Um, I also think that we, we touched on this when we were talking about the Milwaukee Bucks earlier is I think the loss of Grayson Allen um, is something that's going to be, it's one of the things that matters. I think, I think a lot of people see Grayson Allen. They're like, ah, he's the Duke guy who tripped people. No Grayson Allen. Yes, he did that. Also a very good basketball player. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that he will be missed for sure. Um, Brandon Clark, just really athletic, uh, a good guy defensively and in the pick and roll, but not much of a shooter. You definitely need to see him take a, a giant step forward yeah. offensively, for sure. Uh, I, I like Melton's game. Uh, Desmond Bain, I'm kind of, with, kind of with Reed. I don't know a whole lot about him, but I know that he was a good scoring guard, and he also made the all-rookie team. So you have to like that if you're a Grizzly fan. Um, but offensively, I think, is where this team struggles. And one of the stats that I saw was that they were 25th in free throw attempts per game. So if you're not getting cheap points at the line, that is obviously something that really made the Rockets a good team in years past when James Harden mm-hmm. would get to the line. And they have decent free throw shooters, 
but Brooks and Ja got to get more aggressive because that's in their bag. Yeah. You just, you just need more attempts. If you can get cheap points at the line, um, however many that might be, um, that's going to, I I mean, is there any easier way to get points than an uncontested mid range shot? Uh, It's, you know, you, you have to address that. And like you said, I think that that just comes down to aggression, physicality, and really having a mindset of like, I'm going to take the contact. I'm going to get to the line. And hey, maybe they need some actors on that team. But you, know, you definitely need to get better than 25th in the league. In free yeah. Progress. And in three years, this could be a legitimate contender. Like if these guys do develop, right? I mean, look at Jaron Jackson. The guy's just under per 36 minutes. I think he's actually over. I got his per 36 up here right in front of me. So yeah, per 36 minutes, just under two steals per game, two and a half blocks. Like this guy gets steals. He gets blocks. He can shoot around 40% from three. He can slash. He can, he can do everything. He's a good passer. He's everything you want in a modern big man besides the rebounding, which hopefully comes. He's just what, 22 years old, 21, 22. And then you have the Dylan Brooks, you have John Morant. We all know John Morant. Like they, they have potential to be really damn good. And one of the reasons you want to probably take the over on this team is they got straight up gamers, man. They weren't sp- supposed to beat the Warriors. They weren't supposed to steal a game from the Jazz. This team is tough. This team is going to be hard for any team in the league to beat. They are never going to be an easy out. Uh, not with this construction. Uh, I applaud what what they've done in Memphis because it's hard to do this in a small market. It's early in this era of Grizzlies basketball, but this is exactly what Grizzlies basketball is about. Toughness, uh, defense, some swagger, and just keep building around Ja. I want to see the three-point numbers go up, but there's a world where they have 47 wins. There's a world where like they're really damn good this year and everything comes together. How likely it, that is, uh, you know, that's a whole different discussion. That's why we got them around like 43 wins. A lot of grit, a lot of guys that play with chip on their shoulders. And, and this, like you said, goes back to the identity of those prime Grizzly teams with Gasol and Randolph and Gay and Allen and Conley. You, yeah. you know, maybe not the star power, but you're going to get every ounce of potential out of this team. And they're not going to lay down. They're not going to quit. And I think that they really understand that, hey, we might not be – flashy on paper but we're gonna play really good basketball and it's like you said they're gonna be a tough out yeah exactly exactly i think they're gonna be a fun team to watch uh let's move on to the most fun team to watch the most fun team to monitor in a lot of ways because i think that the dallas mavericks are pretty much the same team as last year but i I think about that food i think they're gonna take on a different identity with jason kidd well, go ahead. I'm going to give you the floor then. Go ahead. I have him at 47 wins. What's the line? Just out of curiosity. I feel like I'm a little bit under. Let's see. Uh, I will. I got him at 46. And now I'm going to go okay. take a look. Uh, 48 and a half. Okay. I, I really like the under. And I think it's just because of the coaching. Like Rick Carlisle got a lot out of that team. Rick Carlisle has proven, you know, who isn't Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd. He has, <laughs> I mean, he's failed everywhere he's gone. Let's call it what it is. Yeah, it's man. Failed is such a subjective term. So, uh, you know, some people are going to agree. Some people aren't going to agree with that. But it's just well, one of those fired. things where 
you know. Yeah, it's 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 just I for how great of a basketball mind he is, and like and I say that in terms of being able to develop his own skill set, run mm-hmm. the point guard position, be an elite defender. Uh, he was phenomenal with yeah. the Nets, obviously. Um, it's just one of those things where sometimes it doesn't translate to coaching. And right. I just have not seen what you th- – like, with Steve Nash, yes, he inherited one of the best positions ever with the Brooklyn Nets. But it's one of those things where it's like, I just feel like Jason Kidd would not be able to coach the Nets the same way that Steve Nash did. And both great basketball minds, both great players, I – I'm not, it, it's, it, they're like the opposite of the Spurs for me. And I'm bringing them a, a couple wins down because of the coaching. Whereas with the Spurs, I'm adding a few wins because what I know Popovich can bring to the table. So I, I think losing Rick Carlisle is a huge deal for that team. Uh, re-signing Tim Hardaway Jr. was something that I really liked. Uh, good three-point shooter. Um, yeah, obviously, underrated they that, at this point. They knew Luka Doncic is their future. So extending him had to do that. Um, I do like the pieces of, I should say, piece, singular. Uh, Reggie Bullock, good three-point shooter. Um, I like his game. Frank Nilakina, I mean, didn't get a lot of burn with the Knicks, but he's a good defender, a good perimeter guy. Um, you know, I don't think that he's much of anything offensively. I don't think that they're going to expect him to contribute anything offensively. The big thing for me, and kind of goes back to what I said about Zion, is can Kristaps Porzingis stay healthy? Yes. And yes. The answer is no because it's just one of those things where he's averaged and I'm factoring in the year that he completely blew out his ACL and didn't play. Um, But in his six seasons, he averages 48 points or sorry, 48 points. That'd be phenomenal. Uh, 48 games a season. It's bad. It's bad. And I know that one of the seasons was shortened. You didn't have 82 games. I know that one of the years he didn't play because of injury, but that factors in and 48 games played. When you have an 82-game season, I mean, you're looking at a little bit more than half, and it just seems like every single year something comes up with this guy. And when he plays, he's a phenomenal talent. Inside out, gives you 20 and 10. Uh, apparently, he doesn't really mix well with Luca off the court, but if it works on the court, it doesn't really matter. And they all say that they they say that's not true. So 72 games is the most that he played, and that was his rookie year. So if you can get even close to that, I think that you're happy as a Mavs fan, but they've been saying like, Hey, the Luca Porzingis mix is going to be phenomenal for this team. And we just haven't seen it enough. And it all comes down to availability and health, which is an unfortunate circumstance for sure. But kind of like I said about Zion and shoot, even Gordon Hayward, like great players, but will they see the floor? Will they see the floor enough? Will they be healthy enough to contribute even when they're on the floor? Um, I do like the shooting with Hardaway Jr. Finney Smith uh, is an improved uh, shooter as well. Maxi Kleber uh, is a good three-point shooter. I believe he's around like 41%. So I do like the shooting. Uh, and then I think what comes back to is uh, defensively, I think that they can make some strides. And you like to see Jalen Brunson take a stride as well because this is a contract year for him, and he was really good off the bench for them. And I think that you could have a ton of success with Brunson at the two-guard. So to piggyback off a few of those things, yeah, Jason Kidd, I, I was too harsh. Uh, he's the definition of average, all right? He's um, looking at his career. He's 183 and 190. Uh, he has like a 41 and 41 season, a 42 and 40, 
season, a 23 and 20 season his last year in Milwaukee. He had one really bad year in Milwaukee, 33 and 49 in 2015, 16. Uh, now, all that ripping Jason Kidd, and I'm not really ripping him because I'm about to say really nice things about him. We're about to see if he's a good coach. On the surface, he's a perfect mentor for Luka Doncic when you consider the similarities in their game. The tricky thing about Luka is he has unbelievable vision, probably sees the floor better than a lot of his coaches. In comes Jason Kidd. He was the same way. And though uh, he was able to you know, develop a shooter like Luke is a, a better version of kid, you know, like they have the floor vision and, and everything, but like it took Jason Kidd a long time to develop that jump shot. Luca's got it. Luca's already a good scorer. And so to tie this into the Chris Stapps Porzingis situation in the playoffs, Luca took 28 attempts per game. Guess how many Chris Stapps took? 22. 10. Oh, not high enough. Not high Wait. enough. Way off. Way off. Yeah, and yeah. that's a problem. And it that's is. why I did the little guessing game there, because it's unbelievable that Luka Doncic is taking three times the shots uh, as Porzingis. Look, he can miss the shots. That's fine. But your identity needs to be built around the pick and roll and the pick and pop. And Chris F. Porzingis can slash. You're going to be able to create uh, secondary and uh, third options based on getting the ball in, in his hands to the top of the perimeter as well. Chris Stapps has guard skills. He's six foot or he's seven foot four, but he's got guard skills. You need to use him. Uh, so Jason Kidd, what he needs to do is really help Luca uh, to be the MVP caliber player that or to be an MVP, he's already an MVP caliber player, but he, he needs to help him take that next step. But you got to get Chris Stapps forcing us more involved then it can't be Luca in the gang. It needs to be Batman, Robin. Here's the rest of the Justice League. Ideally, it's Superman and Batman. Luca's still Superman. He's got superpowers. Uh, I mean, maybe, I don't know. Chris Epps is a lot taller, but I, I don't know. Luca's the guy. Luca's clearly the guy. But no disrespect to Tim Hardaway Jr. or Jalen Brunson, who could give you 30 easily. And Tim Hardaway Jr. has some really big moments in the playoffs, but you have someone who is a legitimate all-star when healthy, if he's uh, included in the game plan properly in Kristaps Porzingis. And I think the biggest disappointment of his magic or his uh, Mavericks tenure is that he's not going bananas. Like he had the injury year, of course, but yeah, 57 games played in 2019, uh, 20 and uh, 43. If this guy can be healthy and I think he's improved as a rebounder, the numbers say he has improved as a rebounder in Dallas. I think he's improved as a defender in Dallas. Be an all-star man. Be an all-star. He was an all-star at the age of 22. Uh, in the 2017-18 year, his last year with the Knicks, get back there. But that has to be Luka Doncic setting him up to succeed as well. But all the pieces are are there in place. But you know who the X factor for this team uh, player, the player who is the X factor 
for me is actually Moses Brown. He's only 22 years old. Uh, super under the radar. No, he's not even, he's almost 22. He's seven, two, seven, two. He turns 22 by the day. This is released. Happy birthday uh, on October 13th for Moses Brown, seven foot two. And just an old school problem center, 14 and a half points, 15 rebounds, 1.8 blocks, 1.2 steals per 36 minutes last year. He didn't play a ton. He only played 43 games last year uh, for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I was shocked that, you know, in limited minutes, he, he's averaging uh, eight and a half and nine uh, points rebounds. Why didn't the Celtics keep him? I don't know. But good thing for Luka Doncic, because I think you get a pivotal player here. In a best case scenario, he's a missing piece as far as being that legit rebound gobbler because Porzingis has never been a great rebounder, a very good rim protector, a lob finisher, and an enforcer. And he's super young. And so I think the key components, the X factors, we know what we're getting in Brunson. We know what we're getting in Hardaway. We know that the uh, Mavericks are going to set up on the outside. They're going to create lean, uh, lanes for Doncic. He's going to kick it out to the corner. If you collapse too much, he's going to manipulate you defensively, get the pick and roll going, get the pick and pop going with Porzingis and Brown, um, get a little bit better defensively, get out and run. And I think that they could win 54 games. Wow. I don't think they will. I think that that's their ceiling though. It's, it's quite simple in the NBA. When you have the best player, just look at LeBron James. A lot of times that's going to mean you, you win. Luka Doncic should be the MVP. Will he be? I don't know. He's not my pick for MVP, but he should be. He's in a perfect situation, but he's got to be a better winner. He's already an incredible basketball player, but it's on him to get Porzingis going. And it's on kid to unlock Doncic's next level. And it's, I just don't know what to think about Moses, Moses Brown, because like I am so high on him and I'm just watching him get passed around by teams that I think could use him, but I'm super high on him. I think he is going to give you like 14 and 13. He should be the starter. I wouldn't be surprised if, if he's at the end of the bench, but like when I play with the Mavericks on 2k, he's my starting center. Untapped potential there for sure, but he's young. So yeah, very young. We'll, we'll see what happens with him. Safe to say that this is the best team that Jason Kidd has had. And I, I, I would agree. I don't think it's much of an argument because those Nets teams, uh, they were over the hill. Yeah. You know, ancient. Let, let, let's, let's be honest. So yeah. while it looked good on paper, and then I know that uh, Jason Kidd was the head coach with Milwaukee as Giannis was really starting to kind of ascend with that team. But I think that, like, this is the best team that Jason Kidd is going to coach to this point for sure. This is a really coaching-friendly situation he's inheriting. And you just hope that, like, you know, is he going to be a good coach? I think this is going to be where we make that judgment of, okay, is Jason Kidd an NBA head coach or is he not? Because if he fails with Dallas, I just have a hard time believing that he gets another head coaching gig. Yeah, Because he would kind of be – 
like I said, 0 for 3, 1 for 3, whatever you want to call it, just really hasn't been able to solidify himself as a guy that people want to go to for continued success with their franchise. I also agree with you. Um, just perfect situation because, like, who doesn't want to work for Mark Cuban? Like, it just seems like Dallas is a really friendly place. They have a lot of good pieces. They could be really, really good. And I, I do think this is the, the year that they make it out of the first round for sure. Um, but, man, like, how far can they go? We'll, we'll see. But there's so many ifs. Yeah, I'm, I'm knocking them. What was the number? 48 and a half? Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm just under that by a game and a half, having a 47, 35, uh, just because I'm going to wait and see what Jason Kidd does with this team. Yeah, and I got them at 46, so I got them a little lower too, but I do think that they're a damn good basketball team. They're a team that has a chance to get to the finals. I'm not saying they will, but like they're a contender. If, if all goes right, they're a contender. They have one of the best players on planet Earth, and they have a deep roster that got a little bit better. Um, Jason Kidd is the X factor. Uh, he, he's got the, the groceries to make a gourmet meal here. So he's just got to get to cooking, baby. Yeah, I think how, many tic- how many TikToks is he watching? How many recipe books is he reading? Mm, or is yes. he just freelancing? Right. Did he get the stay cook, the stay put cookbook? I know that was promoted on Instagram, you know, during the pandemic. Is is he ready? Uh, we'll see. Any uh, closing thoughts before we wrap this one up? No, I think that we touched on everything. Um, I, I, it was kind of like the most boring division. Yeah. A lot of, yeah. I mean, it, it's a lot of what we saw last year. Um, I like- do think that Porzingis, like, Oh man, if he stays healthy and like you mentioned, if he gets more volume, more touches, uh, they could be really good. Like they could blow that 48 and a half out of the water. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's just like from what we've seen, um, I'm kind of just looking back on, you know, what have they shown me and what are the, the trends? I think it's going to be a little bit more than the same. They were what? 12 games over 500 last year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. 42 and 30. Um, I have them 12 games over this year, but just at that, you know, a higher mark because it's more games, 47 and 35. So yeah, this is a team that I I don't see them really struggling. You know, even if things don't break their way, I don't really see them, you know, being a non-contender. High floor. High high floor for sure. If they don't win 45 games, I'm going to be absolutely shocked. I I just really want to see what a healthy Luca and a healthy Porzingis can do for a whole season and into the playoffs. Yeah, because we haven't seen that. Yeah, this is the year. Kawhi's not there to get in their way, so we'll see how it goes. Um, yeah, I, I agree. This is kind of a boring division. Two really exciting teams and three snoozers, frankly. Mm-hmm. And Zion Williamson, no disrespect, like he's he's super uh, entertaining. But like with how disappointed I was with the Pelicans last year, I I just like. I'm not psyching myself up for it again, you know? I'm just like, okay, like, please be better, but I don't know. Low expectations. Yeah, I'm apathetic at this point. It's like, cool, you really disappointed me, you know? Um, It's like that friend who you make multiple lunch plans with, and after, like, getting bailed on the second time in a row, you're like, all right, like, are we gonna eat? Or, (laughs) (laughs) like, that's where I'm Zion. Is the flake of the NBA. <laughs> yeah, like, are, are we going to do it, man? Uh, anyway, 
Uh, shout out as always to Evan Butris, the Wax Cowboy on Instagram. Slide into his DMs. Does a great job uh, making a lot of beer labels out there in Colorado. He made our logo, so we want to keep thanking him for that. And uh, if you're looking to get some graphic design work done, slide in the old DMs and he'll help you out with that. Uh, please give us a friendly rating on Apple Podcasts. Let's go a long way. And uh, thank you for listening, folks. And Kurt, thank you for recording and uh, continuing a very fun uh, season preview series. Thanks to No Way and Buell, Great Fall Central. Shout out to the Mustangs. Roll ponies. <laughs> All right, folks. We'll see you next time.